Thunder Thumbs. Hey, Thunder Thumbs. Hey, guy. Good morning. <laughs> Never, ever, 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 ever be with a therapist near their phone. It's bonkers. I am disgusted with the degree of connectivity these days. <laughs> Dude, your, your phone gives me anxiety. I need medication for your phone. Do you know the issue is because I'm on it really not at all after work hours that during work hours it is it's just crazy yeah you have so many badges and banners and notifications like you should feel very good about yourself if you are driven by that i'm not and so i don't (laughs) that's very good that's very good i was talking to brent brent said yesterday he was like i produce these episodes so you can hear them on the lawn that's awesome i've had two people tell me that i've had a client and i've had a friend tell me you know what i listen to your podcast i happen to do it while i was mowing my lawn I had someone tell me that on Saturday. I told Brent that's how I found that out. So every single day, if you're listening to the podcast and you're over here mowing the lawn at the most awkward, annoying Cub Cadet sounding, and you can still hear our voices, thank you very much to Brent. Brent got a lot of joy out of knowing that. My favorite thing, and I think I hear this a lot from people, and I want to say a special thanks again to Brent for the work that he does for us. He's a wonderful guy with a wonderful beard. He's got great character, too. Of course, those two things go together. But people love the jingle. It's an earworm. It gets in your head, and you sing it over and over all day long. My I kid love loves it. My kid loves me more, or loves the jingle more than he loves me. That's really true. Like, we'll literally be listening. I think it's time for some parent-child therapy. I think so, too. Gosh, it. Q jingle. You know what it's always time for? Mm-hmm. I'll let you say it, though. But it's your favorite thing. You should say it. <laughs> coffee. <laughs> it's time for coffee. Yes. Can you be overly, uh, like when you're sipping coffee, can you be like overly gross? Yeah. <laughs> I think so. And it wouldn't be the fault of the coffee. No, not this coffee anyway. This coffee's delicious. John Conte Coffee has changed uh, some things around here, and I'm grateful and you know what? I'm grateful that uh, I have the opportunity to serve it in my practice now. I know. You, you texted me the other day, like, I want some K-Cups. Can I get some K-Cups? And I texted Stephanie. Stephanie's like, yeah, go get some K-Cups. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you for the folks and to the folks of John Conti Coffee making my life better and uh, certainly making our podcast better. And I did hear from a friend uh, who lives in the Carolinas who has uh, just ordered some John Conti on Amazon because of hearing about it on our podcast. That was really cool to see that screenshot. It's so awesome that 6,000 locations nationwide are carrying this stuff. We're carrying them, like I said, in every single lounge and every family that we serve and care for so reverently, they are receiving John Conti products. Not just us, offices, restaurants, convenience stores, and factories across the land, continuously evolving, growing the amenities they serve while always paying attention to the richest of quality and the best of customer care. Visit johnconti.com. Please go to amazon.com and search John Conti to fill your belly with some delicious Conti products. If you're like Jeff, 
Jeff is our director of maintenance and you can hear that beautiful cub cadet in the background. He actually is mowing the lawn. When you get done mowing the lawn after listening to this podcast, please consider going to anchor.fm forward slash you'll die trying to continue to become a supporter of this podcast. Can you continue to become? I mean, can you? you yes, because be- another word for that is becoming. So if you wish to become a contributor, a monthly contributor, please go to anchor.fm forward slash you'll die trying. We really appreciate everybody listening. We would love for you to consider contributing. A very special thank you to you who listen. Uh, Truly, we do it because of that. We love it. This is something that we love to do. We talk about it all the time when we're not doing it. We talk about it while we're doing it, which is what we're doing right now. But we especially do it because of the people who listen and the conversations that we are able to have with our listeners online and in person. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening and subscribing. I'm a, I am genuinely comfortable and confident saying that I'm addicted to this. It's it's a part, it's literally something I think about all the time. Megan is like, are you thinking about the podcast again? Megan thinks I'm becoming you. <laughs> She's like, that's a Dr. That's Carol great. comment. I love it. You said that on the podcast. Well, it is, uh, it, yeah, it's a passion of mine. I mean, it is, it's wonderful. It's a hobby. Uh, it's great to to get to have a conversation that's both playful but thoughtful at the same time. I certainly hope our listeners think that that there's at least some of that all the time. Otherwise, I think people would tire of a steady diet of a therapist droning, a mortician droning about their particular tasks. I mean, I want us to be playful and fun and tell jokes and make fun of each other, but also get underneath a few things that, that really in the public square we tend not to talk about. Don't make fun of me. It's one of my favorite pastimes. It's, if you can't, if you cannot hang or if you don't like being made fun of, then you probably shouldn't be around the Wonder Boys or around our banter, Dr. We, Carol, myself. We all, I think, as a culture should probably take ourselves less seriously. Yes. Quit being so sensitive. Yeah. You Let's, know what happens when you get offended? What? Absolutely nothing. Exactly. That's <laughs> exactly true. Let's spend the entire episode today making fun of each other. I think that probably would be a terrible use of our time. That would be a very terrible use of our time. But it would be hilarious and memorable. So once again, a special thank you to those of you who listen. And you know, one of the things that I'm learning about our podcast is that it is being talked about from person to person. Word of mouth is like the most powerful form of advertising. It really is. But word of mouth also can be ruinous to people and to communities in the form of gossip. Gossip is a dirty, dirty thing. I think people are addicted to gossip. I I, I see there being no problem being addicted to podcasting. I think gossip is something that is absolutely disgusting. You know those people that go out of their way to find dirt, share dirt, talk about dirt. And which, by the way, it's not even dirt. It it was actually just a a blemish that they've compounded and and mixed up into this dirty, murky mess and made it something that it wasn't ever. If we were part of the political machine and we were operatives for this candidate or that, we might be assigned to do oppo research, opposition research, where you're intentionally trying to unearth information about your opposition that could undo him or her. How in the world has that beneficial to your life, your lifestyle, you the betterment of your business or, or anything? Because when you are focused solely on someone else and their walk and their uh, successes and or failures, how are you able to focus on your walk and how to better yourself? So we know that people who gossip to you will gossip about you, right? Without a shadow of a doubt. 
But rather than take the negative route about gossip, because I could do that all day long and talk about how it's a disease and it's people are talking about other people because their own lives are too boring or whatever. But I'd like to kind of take that higher road and ask what function does rumor mongering have in a community? What is it that people are actually trying to accomplish consciously or unconsciously? My thinking with gossip is that it is their goal to connect. That's kind of, in my opinion, the bottom line. They so badly long for human connection and maybe they think, oh, if I have a one-up opportunity to to say I know something that you don't or I can share something that it will... It's kind of going back to the 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 exchange. Mm-hmm. You know, relationships are right. like money. You're exchanging. Everyone has a, a currency. A currency. Mm-hmm. And uh, gossip is that. So people feel. Would... Would you say I'm right, Dad? <laughs> uh, I do. I think I agree with you. And I do also think that it has um, gossip does tend to have this kind of um, this congealing uh, factor where it makes people feel like they are a part of something outside of themselves. And it even can lead them to feeling righteously indignant. Like, like, I'm right about this. Like, this person did that. Can you believe this person did that? That person should have never done that. That person should have never gotten together with that person or gotten married to that person or had a child with that person. And those people aren't there to talk about that. Those people aren't there. Those people would never be a part of that conversation. So the congealing that's happening is actually a form of exclusion. And I think that's one of the worst forces uh, in in human community is is the power of exclusion. Whenever I was uh, in eighth grade, I'll never forget this. This was actually a really important lesson that I learned. Aaron, my brother, has a lifelong friend named Adam. We call him Mish or Mishel. And someone, I remember I was in eighth grade, I was standing out front and someone came to the house. I don't know if they were picking them up or w- riding with them, but I do remember them saying, hey, Mish, do you want to hear about insert whatever they were trying to talk about. And he looked at them and he said, nope. Yeah. And I was like, dang. Yeah. That's very mature. I think that's the responsibility all of us have, especially if you're a person uh, who celebrates the life of the mind, A. If you're a person of faith, B. If you're a person who cares about community and community making and peace, C. And especially if you're someone who fits into all those categories, it's your responsibility to say, it is not uh, good for us to have conversations about other people. I think it's important for us to turn our minds and our conversation to something more productive and more life-giving. It's very disciplined to be able to do that. It's kind of, I would assume it's probably it's probably a difficult thing to do to be in a group of people. Maybe someone is throwing some throwing some shade about yeah. someone else. Maybe mm-hmm. they walk by. I go to a lot of, we go to a lot of events. We're very supportive in the communities that we are serving in. I think that's important to be. And you know, maybe there's a time in which you have a, you have a, you're at a table and someone makes a comment about someone walking by. They're not there to defend themselves. They're not there to confirm nor deny. They're, it's not fair. So it probably isn't easy to step up and to say reverently, respectfully, and call someone out and be like, hey, listen, let's, let's not have any of that. But I think that's crucial and important to do. I think that's crucial and important for our community's continued growth. Yeah, I agree. I wonder, though, um, what makes those of us listening in on people being talked about? What makes us 
lick our chops and sharpen our knives and get in on that. I mean, my dad always taught me, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. And these days, the internet being the internet, I don't think we can believe very much of what we see at all because, of course, it can all have been altered. So what makes us so prone to listening about people talk about other people and us just kind of getting in that and like feeling so good about that? That is, that's a sad state. It's a very sad state. So what do we say to the gossipers? Please stop. It's a way to start, right? Just stop. Yep. Let's talk about something life-giving and productive and let's leave other people and their lives and decisions out of it. What if we just stop them and say, hang on for a second. What are you, and very calmly say, what are you getting out of telling me this Absolutely. right now? What's the payoff? What are you getting right now from telling me about Sally's shoes having think, a scuff on them? I think it's control. Because I, they lack so much other control in other parts of their lives? Probably. So it's all, so gossip is their fault. Yeah, I know people who have launched entire um, gossip campaigns to try to unseat someone for Jeez. no reason other than that they really didn't just want to have win? anything to offer. <laughs> just want to win? They, they didn't have anything to offer. And, and I guess we're, we're tired of feeling um, like a loser and wanted someone else to feel that same way. I mean, misery loves company. But what makes people so susceptible to that? You know, like when someone's coming to me and they're talking about someone else, I'm thinking, gosh, what about that other person? And I would love to hear that other person's side of the story. Now, sometimes there are things that actually are being said that are true and they're concerning. Maybe someone's being abused. Maybe someone's constantly lying or whatever. And those things need to be taken seriously. But if it doesn't have to do with me, it doesn't have to do with me. I think one of the best things we can do as human beings is ask us ourselves a couple of questions. Number one, is this mine? If it's not like a flow chart, if it's not mine, then there's nothing you have to do about it. If it is mine, then you have to ask yourself next question. What do I need to do about it? Do I need to do something now? Does it require any action immediately? Can I think about this? There are ways I think that we need to think before speaking and certainly before acting. And always, always, always ask, does this belong to me? Does this have anything to do with me? If not, I think it stops there. Whenever someone is telling you something about someone that may or may not be true, there, are, this is important. So what you are being told affects your opinion of someone. Right. It can affect your opinion with someone. Mm -hmm. So if you are being told information, it is your responsibility to either A, tell them to zip it, B, take that, dissect it, and or allow it or not allow it to affect. I've gone in right before a meeting, I've gone in with this, I'm doing air quotes, everyone, understanding of someone and this is how they are and this is how terrible of a person they are. And I literally mentally judged them. And then I left the meeting shaking their hand and thought they were the coolest person ever. Yeah. Shame on me for allowing that. Shame on the person. So for those of you who are uh, slinging dirt, you know, be mindful of the fact that you are literally developing or creating in the development of someone's opinion of someone else. And that's not fair to anybody. Once again, control. It's I'm going to control how other people think about you. And here is the old saying, and it's so true in abusive relationships. And I don't just mean physically abusive. All the ways that people can be abused. When I am no longer able to control how you think, I will try to control how other people think of you. My uncle told me it's lonely at the top because I think more people, as you become more successful, each of you, that people will 
do what you're talking about. Oh, I know. I know of men who were not able to control their wives because their wives were independent, strong thinkers. They had their own identity and personality, made their own money. They were, you know, good, good people. And the husband, for whatever reason, was feeling inferior. And so they would try to launch a campaign about those, their women, their wives, trying to make people um, change how they think about them so that if they're not going to win directly, they're going to win indirectly. <laughs> and you know what? No matter whether they do or don't, they think that they do. So we can have a conversation about narcissism and sociopathy in a, another day. At the end of the day, if you're the gossiper, you really should stop because it says more about you than about the people you're talking about. Yeah. If you're the one gossiped about, don't defend yourself because you don't owe anyone anything, including especially an explanation. And I think that you should rise above it. I think you should, as the uh, church fathers would have said, had they come up with it, kill them with kindness, mm-hmm. as our contemporary philosopher Selena Gomez has said. <laughs> Without fuel, <laughs> fires burn out. Without a reaction, gossip dies down. Wait and see. That's funny. Selena Gomez. I do know about that philosopher. You quote like 13th century people, prophets, and I had no idea. Rumi. I remember Rumi. That's it. You got yeah. it. So, yeah, gossip. Not a good thing for communities. I think your, uh, your dignity and your integrity and your character uh, are on the line, and I think you should care about that. So, you know what? Let's be kind to each other. There's a, speaking of which. Are you going to talk about signs? I'm actually not. I'm going to talk about <laughs> an ancient historian named Polycarp. Of course you are. Who was a disciple of John, I think. And he says, uh, be kind because everyone is facing a great battle of which you know nothing. Touche. You know, touche means touch. I love that. Why do you make me feel so... I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love etymology, where words come from, as you know. It's Yes, it's uh, it's a strength of yours. Be kind to everyone. Be kind. So, about the signs. Okay. They're popping up everywhere around here. Yeah, it's a church raising money. It's wonderful. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I just knew that there were signs popping up, and when you drive by and I say, hey, be kind, next gives my mind a little bit of a desire to to be kind, to be kind to people. That's nice, although it does say something about us when uh, we need someone's yard sign to remind us to be kind. But hey, I think it's a fantastic thing. What if it's a reminder in general? There's nothing wrong with that. I will take a reminder wherever I can get it. Yeah. When I I used to uh, pastor a church, I had someone say, I'm so sorry, I accidentally dozed off in your sermon. I was like, hey, get sleep wherever you can get it. In the same vein, I think that we should get reminders where we can. It's the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, I believe, in Owensboro, who's selling the Be Kind signs as a way of uh, asking people to uh, to get out, not the vote this time, but to get out the, the character, the integrity, to be nice to people. That's good. Yeah. That's good. What book are you reading right now? Write the second. Option B. Of course you are. You're reading... Well, I, I, don't, I sound like I'm not, I'm not calling you out. I just am very impressed by your intelligence. I always tell you that. It's just... It's really neat to to be able to hear from, learn from you. So please Thank know you. that. And well, I I'm value s- still reading that. <laughs> I value education. I'm a lifelong learner. Um, I'm I'm constantly engaged in conversations that are thoughtful uh, with my wife, and I feel like in many ways I, I have to be on my toes there because she's super smart. Uh, and I love the life of the mind, as I mentioned earlier. I love um, to think and to wonder and to question. Which makes me say, too, just comes to mind, how important it is that we ask questions. Business leaders all the world over, those at least who have written books and articles, all say that that leadership requires 
asking good questions. There's a, a kind of science and method around that. It's called appreciative inquiry, where you as a leader learn how to ask the right question at the right time of the right people in the right place. And by doing so, you kind of open up new conversations and you get to truths that you might not have excavated um, for years, but because of that question at that time of that person, you got there. So I think it's really important that we learn how to ask questions. I think maybe in the future, two of our podcasts, we, we might want to uh, have some people in and you and I might have the opportunity to ask some questions of people to see kind of who they are, where they've come from and how they got to where they are. I think asking questions is a way to knit together a community, sometimes torn apart by things like gossip. Questions, I think, are the antidote to that. Instead of talking about someone, I would like to ask someone some questions. I know a good way to get people to appreciate you, your time. It has to all be genuine. There has to be the underlying genuine. We've talked about this in previous. Granddad always said, Granddad always said, be genuine about things, be involved in things. So actually yesterday I was on the radio station, uh, K105, the Moose. I was on the radio station and a 21-year-old DJ by the name of Sam is asking me questions about the funeral profession. It was really cool because getting questions from a 21-year-old. So I think that's really fun to be able to interact with. But my encouragement uh, to add on to yours as a leader is if you get people talking about themselves, then you have them hooked. They may not have let you talk for two seconds and they'll leave the meeting, conversation, whatever seminar and they'll say that you're the nicest person in the entire world. Have you ever yeah. had, you know oh, yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about? I do. You know, and it's funny and you talked about sincerity. I legitimately and genuinely love to get to know people. Mm -hmm. And I've been accused before and I've had to kind of tweak this a little bit because I've been accused before of people saying that it's like being interrogated because <laughs> I want to know like, Oh, tell me about you. What do you do? What's your sibling position? Tell me about your family <laughs> of origin because you know, those things matter. Those are interesting things. And I think those aren't the things that make the, the kind of cocktail party conversation. Uh, but I just, I love it. Like you, I know you so much better because I know uh, about your, your family of origin, about your parents, about where you are and the three brothers, you know, where your, your position. And it says so much about your personality, its development. It's, it's, I love it. I love to get to know people. Do you know what the best cocktail party conversation is? You're supposed to say what? What? <laughs> so like... How do you embalm a body? You get that a lot. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. If I got a dollar for every time, it's kind of like whenever you're, and I'm in no way comparing my profession with those of law enforcement or public safety officers, but you know, when you get into a conversation with a police officer, you literally spiral into the rabbit hole with them and they're talking and telling stories for three hours. The next thing you know, you're four drinks in, whatever. That's kind of comparable with the funeral director. They want to know what the worst case scenario is sure. and the best thing and the terrible thing. And it's nonstop. It's constant. So yeah, that's, uh, that's the rabbit hole of the funeral director. That's the cocktail party conversation. Do you think that's true across the board with most disciplines, except for maybe, you know, you might not say uh, of, I have a, a good friend who's an accountant. I've Couple, two good friends who are accountants, and I, I'm guessing they don't get the question like, what's the worst tax evasion case you've ever seen? <laughs> I bet you don't get that. How messy is your Excel spreadsheet this very moment? Or, <laughs> or talking to an actuary like, how risk averse is that company, huh? <laughs> but I think most professions who that involve like day-to-day -day interactions with people, like on the street, I think you have a lot of, I think you get a lot of questions like that. I, I mean, people are always asking me, are you analyzing my, me right now? 
But you are. Are you analyzing me right now? Of course I am. I would be a terrible therapist if I weren't. What are my eyebrows saying right now? That they need a little bit of a trim. <laughs> no, they look great. Hey, my hairstylist, I think you call them stylists now. You don't just say hairdresser because anyway, Ivy, she's asked me who did my eyebrows. Oh, did yeah. you do it yourself? I do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Because like when you turn 33, your eyebrows start to grow like crazy. Yeah. And I have very, very dark hair, dark features. So you get the random strays all the time. So you got you to gotta clean up. I'd like to say a little something about curiosity. Because that's kind of what we're talking about, right? Like people wanting to ask questions of you as an embalmer. Yeah. Like what's the ter- most terrible situation you found yourself in? And how do you embalm a body? And curiosity, that to me, intellectual curiosity. I, that Albert Einstein, I think, said once that he hasn't done anything in his life except be passionately curious, which of course is incredibly humble. But I think curiosity saves marriages. Curiosity and book lights save marriages. I think curiosity saves marriage. How many times have you seen people sitting at a table at a restaurant? They've probably been married 123 years. They're looking across at one another, looking down in their bowls and their plates, eating in utter silence. Two things. Number one, a positive word about silence. When you're with someone with whom you can be comfortably silent, you're with a good person. You're in a right relationship, right? So I I don't think there's anything wrong with silence. But you can tell the people who are comfortably silent and the people who just don't talk. I think if you're passionately and intellectually curious, you always have something to talk about. How many times have you sat with your wife and thought, I literally have nothing to say to her? Never. Never. I've never done that. I was actually just thinking about, we'll have times at night after the kids go to bed and we're just sitting there and we're present with one another. You know, I'm watching Homeland. I always watch that. Why do I always watch series long after they've either stopped or three seasons, four seasons in. I never just follow. Anyway, I just sit there with her and I know that she's present with me and that's fine. We talk about all kinds of random stuff. Anyway, I'm there with you. We're curious. I like being curious with her and I know that silence can be a great thing. Absolutely can be a great thing. Yeah, I am. I I think it's a really sad thing when, uh, and there's an old John Prine song too that talks about this. I can't remember what song it is, but um, that what is it like? When it's it's uh, Angel from Montgomery, that's what it is. I think Bonnie Raitt may have sang that song. John Prine wrote it. He says, how the hell can a person go to work in the morning and come home in the evening and have nothing to say? Touche. Oh, I can't say touche. No, you can. I can't say touche? Yeah. It's from fencing. Touche. That's it. On guard. No, that's not fencing. (laughs) That is. That's the beginning. Touche is the end. On guard is not fencing, though. On guard, I feel like, would be like, you know, what Robin Hood would say before he tries to stab you and take all your money to give it to poor people. I think being passionately curious is a gift to marriages and relationships. So I want to encourage people to not talk about each other. Mm -mm. I want to uh, encourage people to ask questions of other people and get them talking about themselves. And I want to encourage people to stay curious, my friend. Stay curious. And And I want to encourage people, if I can add to that, I want to encourage people to question, ooh, question if they hear something good and or bad about someone and form their own opinion and not allow that to form the opinion for you. Also go to the source. Go to the source directly. Go to the triangle. Yep. If it didn't come from the horse's mouth, it is not true until further notice. Just want to let you know that somebody told me something today. It's not important who it is, but this is what I heard. And I love you and care about you enough to let you know, A, that I heard it, which means it's out there. 
And B, I'd like you to know, I'd like for you to tell me what you'd like me to do with it. Mm-hmm. And also the other thing I would like to encourage is you to stand up to that person. Yeah. Doing the talking and just kind of end it because you, my friends are trying to grow yourselves and how in the world can you continuously focus fully on that? If you have even the slightest distraction, which is the dirt. As much as we want to not let what people say about us bother us, what people say about us still does bother us. We have not evolved yet to the point where we cannot care. If you think that gossip and backbiting and fault finding and murmuring and withholding kindness and being unforgiving and unkind can cannot cause someone to think poorly of themselves, you are dead wrong. What we say matters. How we speak about each other matters. So we have to start talking about each other kindly. So we say to our kids, if it's not going to pass through the three gates, then don't say it. If what you're about to say is not kind, true, or necessary, don't say it. Awesome. I'm going to start using that. Is a a three-year-old and four-year-old capable of comprehending that? Yeah. Good. I'm going to start using that at home. I really am. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to come in and you're going to gripe about your sister, okay, is what you're about to say kind? No. Okay. Then you're done. But there, but, 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 but if it's not kind, then don't go there. You can say things that need to be said kindly. What you do is you don't blame. So you can say, my feelings are hurt. Okay. What happened? Well, we were uh, talking about the, the straightening iron. And I wanted to borrow it, and she had it, and she didn't want me to have it. Okay, what did you say? Well, I said this. Okay, was it kind? No. Was it true? Yes. This really happened. Was it necessary? Yes. But it wasn't kind. All three gates. Got it. This is a purely hypothetical situation. I don't know. I got really, really technical with the get with. I don't let anyone use my straightening iron. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, I have an announcement to make to you, Dr. Carroll. I am not perfect. Uh, I am a human being and I have sinned and I am at fault at times and you can throw dirt at me any and all the times that you wish to. And that is okay. Some of it may or may not be true and I'm okay with that. Just want you to know that. So be kind, everyone. Be kind. Show the world some light. If it's not kind, true or necessary, don't say it. Stop talking about people. Put an end to it. Go to the source and stay curious. Ask questions. Do it. Do it that way, and then we'll circle back and we'll talk more about how you can be even more kind at some other time. Hey, guys, gals, you are loved far more than you could ever know. We're grateful, continuously grateful for your commitment to us because we are truly committed to you. And uh, Dr. Carroll, thank you very much for everything that you bring. Thank you to our listeners. Remember, everyone's fighting a battle of which you know nothing, so be kind. Thanks. Go back trying. See you next time.